Friday to you, and welcome to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. You are listening to The Friday Five. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and each week we bring you five things that happened this week that you should know about. Most of the time, those five topics vary, but for this week, we've actually got five things about the ACA marketplace. On Monday this week, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, in conjunction with the Department of Health and Human Services, released the proposed rule for the ACA market, the Notice of Benefit and Payment Parameters for 2024. CMS covered a lot of information in the proposed rule, and I think it's important to mention these are proposals that CMS puts out based on what they've seen over the past plan year. They'll set a period of time for comments on their proposals, allowing agents and carriers to provide some feedback. And then in a couple of months, we'll get the final rule. Naturally, these rules, proposed or finalized, can get a bit lengthy. So a good bit of what we've got to talk about this week comes from the proposed rule. Let's start out with number one. For this one, you've got to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the fact sheet. CMS did propose new requirements for agents, brokers, or web brokers. First and foremost, there is a proposed change in the amount of time HHS has to review evidence in the event of suspension and termination of marketplace agreements. CMS is asking for more time to review evidence submitted by agents, brokers, or web brokers, citing that the additional time is required, quote, as the review process can involve parsing complex technical information and dates, revisiting consumer complaints, and reaching out to consumers individually, end quote. For allegations that led to a suspension, CMS proposed adding 15 calendar days to the current 30 calendar day review for a total of 45 calendar days to review evidence regarding marketplace agreement suspension. For marketplace agreement terminations, HHS has suggested adding 30 calendar days to the current 30 calendar day review. Number two on our list is another proposed requirement for agents, brokers, and web brokers. This one is around application submission. CMS would require eligibility application information to be reviewed and confirmed to be accurate by the consumer prior to application. This added step would, quote, help expedite the adjudication of consumer complaints related to the provision of incorrect information of their eligibility applications, end quote. Similar to client documentation in Medicare sales, CMS would require this consumer documentation to also be kept on file for 10 years. The agent, broker, or web broker would be expected to be able to produce that document upon request to monitor, audit, and enforce the rule. In addition to documenting that eligibility application information was reviewed and confirmed accurate by the consumer, agents, brokers, or web brokers must also, quote, document the receipt of consent from the consumers they are assisting, end quote. 
by documenting a client's consent to be assisted through the enrollment process by an agent, CMS hopes to, quote, resolve disputes between enrolling entities and consumers or between multiple enrolling entities, end quote. This consent documentation would also need to be kept on file for 10 years, readily available in the case of audit, monitoring, or enforcement from CMS. Number three, now let's take a look at some of the other changes outlined in the proposed rule. This one has been a pillar of the Biden-Harris administration's healthcare goals, transparency and access to care. CMS plans to review network adequacy and essential community provider standards that apply to all individual market-qualified health plans. Essential community providers, or ECPs, are the providers who work with large amounts of low-income or medically underserved consumers. The proposed rule states that all QHPs, including standalone drug plans, and all small business health options program plans have to use provider networks that comply with the new standards. The new QHP requirements, quote, would better ensure consumer access to a sufficient choice of providers and would guarantee consumers have access to information on the availability of in-network providers, end quote. In addition to those new requirements, CMS plans to add mental health facilities and substance use disorder treatment centers as major ECP categories for the 2024 plan year. Provider participation would stay at the existing 35% threshold, and CMS plans to expand that 35% threshold to federally qualified health centers and family planning providers. Number four, this change addresses another healthcare pillar of the current administration, and that is simplifying the enrollment process. We have seen this current administration do that where they can. Most recently, on the Medicare side, we saw CMS and HHS make changes to how enrollments and elections are processed in attempts to rein in those costly penalties. Now, on the ACA side, CMS wants to rein in the amount of plans available to the average ACA shopper. For comparison's sake, the average Medicare beneficiary had access to 43 Medicare Advantage plans while shopping for 2023 coverage. On the ACA side, same coverage year, the options are staggering. They more than double, almost tripling in comparison to Medicare Advantage options. The average number of plans available to a consumer shopping for ACA coverage through the marketplace was 113.6. CMS is proposing to cut down the number of options by limiting issuers' non-standardized plan options. That cap would be placed at two for each metal tier level and two for each network type. The example CMS cites in their release Two Gold Preferred Provider Organization and Two Gold Health Maintenance Organization Non-Standardized Option Plans. Their reasoning, quote, Such plan choice overload limits consumers' abilities to make a meaningful selection when comparing plan offerings, end quote. 
This particular requirement would not apply to plans offered through the shops or to standalone drug plans. Don't want to forget to mention that. CMS also plans to remove the standard option for non-expanded bronze plans, so issuers would only be required to offer standardized options at the other metal tier levels. If approved, both requirements would go into effect for the coming 2024 plan year and subsequent plan years thereafter. Perhaps most interesting, CMS included an alternative option to the limiting of non-standardized plan options in federally facilitated marketplaces and state-based marketplaces using federal enrollment platforms, so FFMs and SBMFPs for short. Rather than limiting plan options to two metal tiers, two network types, They proposed the application of a meaningful difference standard for plan year 2024 and subsequent plan years after. Using this methodology, plans would be grouped together by issuer ID, county, metal level, product network types, deductible integration type, and then CMS would evaluate whether plans within each group are meaningfully different. To quote the release, With this proposed approach, two plans would need to have deductibles that differ by more than $1,000 to satisfy the new proposed meaningful difference standard, end quote. CMS is seeking comments on the alternative method to limiting plan options, so it will be interesting to see what kinds of comments come in on the proposed rule and how these proposed requirements and rules end up being finalized. Number five, while we're on the subject of the ACA and individual marketplace coverage, CMS released their second snapshot of the 2023 marketplace open enrollment period last week. According to their calculations, close to 5.5 million Americans had signed up for 2023 coverage on the individual healthcare market. Of that total amount, 78%, about 4.3 million consumers, are return customers with active 2022 coverage. And then 22% of that total, so about 1.2 million consumers, are new to the marketplace for the 2023 plan year, signing up for coverage for the first time. That's a pretty decent showing, almost 80% retention with 20% new customers. If you would like to see the breakdown of consumer enrollment by state, we will be linking to the release from CMS so you can check out how your state is doing. And there's still plenty of time for these numbers to grow. The 2023 Marketplace Open Enrollment only wraps up on January 15th of 2023. Rupel recommends. I'm not finished with my holiday shopping, so that means I naturally have not wrapped anything yet either. And if you're like me and tend to wait until the last minute and then wrap everything all at the same time, you might also find yourself in the situation I often find myself in. I run out of tape. I run out of wrapping paper. Sometimes I run out of both. Now, normally I try to have an assortment of bags and tissue paper at the ready for gift giving year-round. But when you think about it, 
all of that wrapping stuff, all those materials, they often just end up in a big garbage bag, sometimes two garbage bags. So that's gotten me thinking about alternatives this year. One of my favorite stores, Lush, often sells fabric squares they call knot wraps that you can use to decoratively knot around their products. Lush's knot wraps are based on the Japanese tradition of furoshiki. These wrapping cloths are a traditional Japanese way to use cloth to either wrap presents or transport goods in a sustainable way. The fabric is relatively thin, so it allows for folding and knotting in a variety of ways. Scarves work well, but so do tea towels, especially if they're a thinner fabric. And for some other sustainable ideas, you can get creative with jars and tins for small items, and then baskets or storage caddies for larger items. Don't forget about reusable shopping bags and totes, too. Those are something I can never get enough of. For the link to other sustainable wrapping alternatives, plus an article with 12 different ways to wrap a gift using Furoshiki, be sure to visit our episode notes. And that is all we have for you this week. Before we go, I want to give a big shout out to Danica Stover, our under 65 health manager and resident expert here at Ritter for sending over more details this week about that CMS proposed rule. Now, if you're headed out for some last minute holiday shopping this weekend, best of luck to you. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 